previously on Growing Up Gilmore. That should be me holding your hand. Kissing you over You know what? I think it's Justin Bieber, loops. so let's, let's move on. <laughs> like, jump. like, that's why I'm crickets over here. I have yeah. no idea what you're talking about. Please. Like, someone in high school, like, showed him the centerfold, and he was like, ah, like, covered his eyes. And... But then being like, she's the prettiest woman I've ever seen. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I want to marry her. Yeah. That's so awesome. And she's like, oh, I am the prettiest girl. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, I already knew it, She's but it's just so nice to hear party. it from someone else. <laughs> yeah. Just, uh, well, season seven is just so stupid anyway, but. Hi, this is Amy. And this is Elise. And we are Growing Up Gilmore. This week we have season three, episode two Haunted Leg, part two. All right, so last week we left you with Lorelai telling Suki about her lunch. We haven't seen the lunch yet. We still don't technically know why they are having lunch. Kirk is still waiting for a response from Lorelai. And Rory is dealing with the hierarchy of the student body presidency. Elise, could you just remind us quickly, the writer and director? Yes. So the writer is Amy Sherman Palladino and the director is Chris Long. Awesome. Let's get right into it. All right. We start right away with Rory getting pulled into the girls' bathroom with Francie and then two girls that we've never seen before. Um, Which makes me think maybe those girls that were in the puffs before graduated. Like, wasn't it like Lemon or something? And like one was named Lemon and I can't remember what the other one's name was. They were like at the meeting though. Yeah. Yeah. Let's just call them Crab and Goyle. That's completely (laughs) what this is. It's very... Draco, Crab, and Goyle, yeah. Harry Potter. Francie basically tells her that if she doesn't press the issue with the skirt thing, that she will make Paris's presidency a living hell. So that's nice of her. Also, she makes a comment about Rory getting off the short bus, which... Ah, uh, yeah. Yeah, but like, it's kind of weird because, you know, we brought up before how... There was that episode where Rory dropped the R word. Mm-hmm. And it's like, I feel like people still say short bus. Yeah. And that's not cool. Just right. to mm-hmm. broadcast that. Completely. Yeah, there's still a few more episodes coming up where they use the R word. Yeah. And it's like, okay. Well, I did read something, um, a quote that Amy Sherman Palladino said recently, and she used that word too like a recent quote no no it was from a while ago like the r word or the The r word yeah you know what with amy sherman paladino though it doesn't surprise me because i I feel like she's of that like generation where she was like liberal for her time and she's kind of crass and and... then just like never moved with the times Mm -hmm, so mm -hmm. now it's like how dare people get offended i was a radical you know whatever yeah yeah it's that is one of my biggest gripes with the revival is it's well a bunch of it is just like millennial bashing yeah Mm -hmm. but anyway so francie has established that if rory does not convince paris to 
make things happen that Francie will make sure nothing happens this year. And she's like, you know, I'm like the leader of the puffs. I can ensure that nothing will come from this year. Paris is, or Rory is kind of stuck in the middle there. Not really sure what to do about it. And Francie is scary. Yeah, she's terrifying. Yeah, she had those like serial killer eyes when she's like, I feel so supported. Yeah. I'm glad you reached out. People like this exist too. Yep. And they will like, she does say, I'll make your life a living hell. And she's like, and she knows, she's so clever. She knows that Paris will like freak out. And she's like, I can, if she knows that you're talking to me, because I'll just spin this that you're, you know, collaborating with me. Mm-hmm. Right. And she does spin it. Yeah, she does. Yeah, and like it's that like pays crazy. off. crazy. Yeah. And I love when she's like, do you hear that? Oh, that's me talking. Because I'm not done yet. And it's like, <laughs> I start crying or be like, oh my Relax, God. Relax, it is high school student body. Right, but... To but yeah, someone it's, like Francie, that's everything. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. It's very real to them. She's like, I got some legs and I want to show them off. You know? Yeah. I mean, my school dress code was your skirt could not, your skirt and shorts had to go to the end of your fingertips. And if it was any shorter, then you would get in trouble. Yeah. And they would be like, Put your hands down. Let's see how long it is. Like being a Jehovah's Witness to like our, uh, your skirt should like it was never really supposed to be above your knee. Mm-hmm. I did it sometimes though. And like my I school, did. when I wore skirts, they just. <laughs> I'm just letting that silence <laughs> sit there. Okay, that's, that's fair. I just. Don't know. But I mean, we start off the episode with. Now we are starting to build the tension. Mm-hmm. Here is tension for Rory to put pressure on Paris. And now our next scene will have us with Lorelai and Emily. I will say too, like, I think one thing this show does really well is for having like such a reputation for being so like quippy and pop culture reference. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of it's pretty well integrated. It never feels like they're just like shoving in a joke. Yeah. But Rory's line about, like, what are we, French ice figure skating judges? Wah, wah. It's like <laughs> it's like she's trying out to be Seinfeld or something. And what's the deal with airline food? Well, and that's, like, a very recent <laughs> yeah. reference. So maybe to... that was something that, like, the punch-up writer was brought into, like, oh, have you seen this? Yeah. Well, I think Amy probably was like, we gotta put some, like, more recent... Yeah. News in there too. Yeah, but I mean, it's not like South Park where they can make episodes in like five days, right? So they can just yeah crack them out, right? All right, we are at the diner. Lorelai comes in. She sits down, and Luke starts harassing her about Kirk, saying that he found out because Kirk actually asked Luke if he thought he had a chance, and I'm like. Does Kirk ask Luke because Kirk picks up on the vibe between Lorelai and Luke? And he's like, well, you know, if anybody's going to know, it's going to be Luke. Yeah, I don't know. Or just like, they're good friends. I'm not sure. But he was like, yeah, he was asking about your house and whether or not you had stain resistant rugs. And he was pretty happy when he found out that you had wooden floors, but... We said, you know, you, you kind of talk a lot, but 
at the end of the day, nothing beats a good round of lovemaking. Or nothing will shut someone else up like yes, some good, good lovemaking. Love yeah. Some good loving or something like that. And yeah, it's which, like, also, yeah. hasn't Kirk been at Lorelai's house before, too? Yes. Yeah. Well, he was the one that inspected for um, termites. Yeah. 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 yeah, I'm sure he hasn't seen like the entire house. Well, and also but... Luke is just kind of trolling too. So yeah, right. Sure. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But I could see Kirk asking those questions though too, <laughs> especially because Luke does so many projects around the house. Like mm-hmm. he knows the condition of Lorelai's house probably better than Lorelai does. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I can kind of picture that conversation happening where he's like, "What's the inside of Lorelai's house like?" And he's like. Kirk, you've been over there several times. He's like, yeah, but you have more experience. Yeah, completely. Mm-hmm. So Lorelai decides that she's going to throw silverware at Luke as he walks away singing Love is in the Air. And of course, the minute she throws the cutlery, Emily walks in and she's like, why are you throwing cutlery in a public place? Uh, she sits down. They start looking through the menu and have this like back and forth about Caesar dressing, whatever. The cob salads. And, yeah. Yeah. Um, they, Luke comes back to take the order and she ends up ordering a cob salad and Lorelai does her usual burger, fries, and onion rings. And I'm like, you have fries and onion rings? <laughs> wow. Okay. And Luke says, any pie today? She goes, no, not today. And he goes, oh yeah, good choice. Got to keep track of for the big day and just like back yeah cut back for the big day and emily's just sitting there like what the hell is happening um as they're sitting there though lorelei says i i'm gotta say i'm really confused as to why we're doing this and finally emily reveals that she talked to christopher on the phone for quite some time and i have to tell you lorelei he's not in love with that woman he would much rather be with you and rory And Lorelai goes off and says, you have no right to talk to him. I am not talking to him. This is none of your business. We need to let Christopher do his own thing. I am moving on. Christopher needs to move on. And so do you. Mm -hmm. And she kind of storms out. So. Well, Emily even, doesn't she even say that? Like, she thinks Sherry, like, trapped him with that baby? Yeah. I think she's implying it. Yeah. Yeah. Which is always, and we kind of talked about this earlier too, but like just the sheer level of projection. Because it's like, you can perfectly imagine Christopher's parents saying, Lorelai trapped you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Even though she clearly didn't because she wanted nothing to do with him after yeah, having she, the baby. Mm-hmm. And she doesn't even take money from him. Right. Yeah. <clears throat> it's just, it kind of shows that like societal expectation where they live versus where stars hollow people are at Mm -hmm. like yeah would that be dramatic in stars hollow yes but the people of stars hollow can look past those things if you are like a genuinely good person where in emily's society if that happens it's a huge scandal you'll never recover from it and you have to get married if it happens. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, and it's all about the appearance, too. And mm-hmm. Emily's just not realizing that, like, the if you're worried about appearance, Christopher not marrying Sherry to take care of, like, his new child 
That is damage damages his reputation as much as anything else. Right. And it's like if you're looking at this strictly as his daughter needs her father. Yeah. Okay. Well, Rory is a high school senior. Like, like she's grown. She's made her her decisions in life. It's it's like that conversation that Lorelai had with Max, where Max is like, "How do I raise her?" And she's like. The raising is done. Mm-hmm. Like, she's a full blown human at like, this point. Like Christopher can be in Rory's life without being married to Lorelai. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and he has. I mean, he hasn't really, but but I yeah. And that's something that he has and he hasn't. The right. two of you were talking about in the episode prior to this one, where it's like Christopher is only invested in being Rory's dad if he's also romantically involved with Lorelai. Mm-hmm. And yeah, because it's an added bonus for Lorelai. Like, oh, he's going to be present in Rory's life. And that was the whole appeal in the finale was like, we can be a family now, Lorelai. We're going to be a family like we've always wanted. And it's like, have we always wanted that? Yeah. Like, it's been fine yeah. thus far. Like, yeah, that's what like our families always wanted. But... That's not really something and, that we've always wanted. And just, like, I also don't trust Christopher. No. Because, like, I feel like he is such a selfish character that I just don't trust that at the last minute it was truly that it was about him doing the right thing. No. I think that he was conflicted and didn't know what he wanted. Yeah, I, I get this sense that for Christopher it's like, okay, this is what I should do. So I'm going to say I'm going to go do that. But like the fact that he's still talking to Emily about everything going on says that he doesn't really believe that's what he should, he wants to do. Mm-hmm. And he hasn't changed. Can I just right. say that this basically mirrors Rory's love triangle perfectly? Mm-hmm. Like the, I mean, get jumping ahead a bit, but Christopher and... Lorelai have like a huge blow up fight at the end mm-hmm. that what it kind of boils down to is Christopher wants to make things right with Lorelai, but he's still with Sherry. Sherry is still pregnant. He's still going to marry her. So that can't happen. And he shouldn't worry about that. He should be with Sherry and he should focus on trying to make that work. And wouldn't you know it right after that scene, Rory has a fight with Jess where Jess is like, you're still dating Dean. If you're not dating Dean, then we can talk. But if mm-hmm. you are, I can date Shane. And you can't be mad at me for that. Yeah. And it's like, yes. And it's it's just funny to see how that like situation is kind of mirrored. I mm-hmm. mean, it's, it's like lower stakes because no one's pregnant in that situation. Like, But there's similarities. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, like you see how Rory is her parents' child. Yeah. Yeah. And like for how for how much like righteous anger she has at Christopher, she's doing the same thing. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just I think Emily just can't let go of this like perfect idea. And I don't know what it takes for her to let go of it. And part of me thinks that she does kind of see it at the end and we can talk about it when we get there. But I, I want Emily to wake up and realize that doing these things 
is not fixing the problem. Mm-hmm. It is yeah. perpetuating the problem. It is making it worse. And we are now stuck with another fight, more tension between Emily and Lorelai. I think so much that she brought her. It's like, why didn't she just do this when they like a private space? Right. Yeah. She was lecturing him about throwing cutlery in public, mm-hmm. but then like has no problem setting off another argument. It must be a control thing, though, like feeling like Lorelai will less take off or get mad if it's yeah, in it's public. Yeah, it's less likely for her to storm so off. So maybe that's why she picked Luke's, because yeah. she would think maybe she wouldn't want to embarrass herself in front of Luke or her town. Right. Also, I think it's funny that Emily mentions, like, well, I I had to step in because I don't want this to explode. And mm-hmm. it explodes because... Christopher shows up at the end. He barges in on their Friday night dinner because he knows they're going to be there. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure the only reason he showed up is because Emily called him. And because he's like, okay, well, I'm on good terms with Emily. She'll have my back. Like, if mm-hmm. he had shown up to Rory and Lorelai's house, like, in the middle of the night, well, they could call the cops on him. But they, they know, wouldn't, But though. they know. Well, they, you know, but, like... Yeah. That's that's a much more dangerous situation where he's like, I'm all. He probably thinks I'm always welcome at Emily's home because they like me. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like she. All Emily did was create the problem. Like you said, <laughs> perpetuate it. She did. Yeah, I mean, I think it's it's easy for us to say to like, Emily's just gonna be like this because of society and. And she wants this so badly that, of course, she's going to do whatever she can to, like, remedy the problem. But at the same time, like, this kind of goes back to, like, even season one with these boundary issues that the parents have. And, like... Yeah, I would be so mad if my mom was, like, talking to my... Yeah. There's just such a lack of emotional maturity. Yeah. And just to, like, because now this is just in my head, just to further the comparison between Rory and like her situation and uh, Lorelai's situation mm-hmm. um, who else conspires with her daughter's boyfriends yeah mm. yeah, yeah completely I, I love True. I think this speaks like volumes to Amy's writing of these characters too that like we have a lot of themes that stay like relevant through the entire series mm-hmm I mean, a lot of times you'll watch television and you'll see, like, different themes come up but then never visit it again. But yeah. this is, like, the boundaries stay firm. And this is a big boundary episode because we see boundaries being set. We see boundaries being ignored. We see boundaries being developed. I mean, there's a lot that happens in this episode. And the only person that can write those kinds of episodes would be the person who created the characters Mm -hmm. yeah. because they know where this is going to go. They know where these boundaries need to fall apart, where they need to come together. Like I just imagine she has like this big storyboard in her brain of where things need to go and where they need to progress. And boundaries are really an overarching discussion point for this entire show. And it stays, it stays up there with other discussion points. Um, 
And I think what Amy tries to do so often is remind us that it's not all sunshine and daisies. Like Stars Hollow is really great when it's in its own little bubble. But here we have two women that are in that bubble, but also leave and are a part of a different world altogether. And that's when the chaos ensues. Mm -hmm. Because if they stayed in their Stars Hollow bubble, a lot of these issues would never exist. Mm -hmm. But because they leave this like, quote unquote, perfect world, we get to see like the real world realities and issues and trauma and all of this stuff come to the surface because we have another world that we're living in with them. Yeah. And I give Amy a lot of credit for keeping that like consistent throughout the the entire series as a whole, but especially like in this episode, because even like looking at Francie with the student body stuff, those are boundaries too. She went well over her boundary of the senior class president to go after Rory to get pressured to get things done. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's a boundary in and of itself. Yeah. And so we're seeing this like breaking of boundaries on like a multi-level experience. And I think maybe that's what we were talking, what I was talking about in the last episode where I feel like there's not a lot of tension building I think the tension building is in the boundaries mm-hmm. in this mm-hmm. episode. And I didn't realize that at the beginning because there it didn't seem like there was a lot of boundary breaking. But as we're getting towards the end, now I'm seeing, oh, yeah, that boundary was broken and that boundary was broken and that boundary was broken. And as these keep breaking, this tension keeps building. Yeah, it's like even these like dumb little subplots about Rory's like adventures in school government are still like contributing to the theme. Right. Right. But you know, also I'd say that we're talking about boundaries. Kirk is actually a very interesting because he's following really great boundaries. Exactly. With, like, with approaching yeah. Lorelai. And how he asks her out. And yeah. he doesn't say, he doesn't expect it. He says, he gives her like two or three days to think about yeah, it. Yeah, I was going to. A response. I, I think I and, was going to say it more like when we got to the end, when that plot thread resolves. But I feel like Kirk proves himself to be the most emotionally mm-hmm. mature and sophisticated person in this entire episode. Mm-hmm. Because he doesn't play games. He doesn't like manipulate people. All he does is he says, this is what I want. I'm just putting that out on the table for you. Take some time to think it over. And when he gets let down, he's like, okay, but thank you for like letting me know. And I'm just glad that I asked. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And like, he doesn't hold it against her clearly. Cause they're still friends throughout the series. Yeah. And- I think, I don't know if we're talking boundaries. It's just interesting that he's the character that, and we see the best results, even yeah. even when she lets him down. I I know I can, we need to save some of it for when we actually get there, but yeah, um, it is an interesting contrast though to mm-hmm. everyone else being absolute shitheads in the rest. Because like the he was episode. like even nice, where he was like, "I'll give you two weeks to get over your cold," and like 
And he's asking her about the tuna allergies mm-hmm. and yeah, and like he's great boundaries. Yeah, and <laughs> yeah, we were or talk- considerate. We were whatever. talking about like, oh, Kirk's weird. And it's like Kirk is like the normal one here. <laughs> You're all just idiots. Yeah, and I think that's such great commentary on like, you know, to, to probably take this a step further than what Amy Sherman Palladino even was thinking about. But like, you know, Kirk is probably someone who's. I wouldn't be surprised if he was like neurodivergent or on the autism spectrum or something like that. And it's like, and he knows how to navigate these emotional issues better than all the normies because you get so hung up in your own bullshit Mm -hmm. and thinking you're all that, that everything has to be complicated. And I think that kind of ties into, I just had this thought occur to me, but like from the very beginning of the series, the only reason Lorelai and Rory enter this world of, like, the rich, like, they're, you know, Lorelai's parents' world of rich people and that snobbery and that world where appearances are all that matter. The only reason they went there is because, for whatever reason, they decided public school wasn't enough for Rory. She has to go to Chilton, but we can't pay for it, so we have to, like, grovel to our parents. And it's like, I get wanting to send your kid to a better school, but also, like, if Rory had stayed at Stars Hollow High or whatever that is, she would have done fine. And she could have gotten into a good school. And <laughs> it's, like, it's like they brought this upon themselves. I don't know if she would have gotten into an Ivy League school. Sure. Yeah. But, but I think it's just they're... They can say that they're like better than yeah. you know, their parents' way of life. But they still want it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They just, yeah. yeah. And there's, sorry, and I'm I feel like I'm just rambling here, but there's a lot to be said too about they project so much onto Christopher. Yeah. That none of them have their like the emotional maturity to just realize this guy's just a shithead. We need to stop dealing with him, and it's more just they're like obsessed with the idea of Christopher. Yeah, we can get into that at the end because I have a lot of feelings about that. Yeah. Anyway, let's go back to Rory's stupid student council (laughs) meeting. (laughs) All right, we are back at Chilton for another class presidency meeting, student body president meeting. And Paris starts the scene by saying once they get her signature and she's out of intensive care, then we'll work on finding her replacement. And this is a callback to the librarian that she wants to fire. That's like 93 years yeah, old. Yeah, because I don't, I don't think we mentioned that in that scene. Yeah, but... but she wants to get rid of the librarian. That's like her first order of business. <laughs> And Which, this poor woman is 93 years old and in the ICU for, I don't I, even think they say. I like to think that Paris, like, told her that she was getting fired <laughs> and it, like, sent her. <laughs> oh, my God. So now she's like, all right, well, now just when she gets out of the coma, we'll have her sign her. So Paris is an ageist. <laughs> and, like, if you're 93 years old, you should have a power of attorney by then to, like, be able to sign things for you but yeah so at that point then louise suggests a school dance 
to raise money for the topiaries that Paris wants to put in the schoolyard or whatever. And she's smart. She knows how to pitch to uh-huh. Paris. Uh huh. Mm-hmm. Well, they've spent enough time mm-hmm. with Paris which, that it's like, like yeah, which kind of goes to show too how Madeline and Louise they're not stupid Mm-mm. and they know how to like play Paris to totally. like be on. Like, but in a way that she's still on their side. It's like, yeah. Where, whereas, like, look at, like, Francie and her, like, scorched mm-hmm. earth attitude towards Paris of, like, I'm going to destroy her if she doesn't give yeah. me what she wants. It's, like, it's so much easier to manipulate people if you know how to, like, schmooze them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, Louise got her dance, like, easy. Yeah. Easy peasy, and you ju- know? And just think of how, like, you know, Francie makes such a big deal about, like, <laughs> we didn't let them into the puffs. It's, like... If you would let them into the puffs, Paris, you would have her wrapped around your finger because she would think she's so cool and yeah. so accepted. And guess what? You would just have to put up with her at puff meetings and that's all you would need. Yeah. But yeah, I, th- I think that's an interesting contrast. I mean, we even see it with Madeline because she says, "I we need somebody professional to yep. do the school pictures yep. because they keep looking like VH1 before they were stars photographs and we don't want that. And... Uh, it, I almost wonder if Madeline Louise like conspired before because I'm Louise sure. was so ready to to say like oh well my my uncle is Helm Helmute yeah he's like a famous like New York t- or Vogue photographer but like a very BDSM kind of inspired photographer yeah. and that's why <laughs> that's why Paris says like tell him to leave his whips and chains at home <laughs> but it's like very like dark black and white like sexy weird photography Mm -hmm. very artistic and i'm like and you want this guy to take pictures of high school students (laughs) great this just makes me think of life is strange now oh completely and um paris is like what do you think about that that sure explains a lot about louise doesn't it and i was like (laughs) What is that explaining about Louise? That she's, that she's like a sex hound or... I don't know. I think so. Yeah. But I think uh, those two know how to work their angles to get what they want. Mm-hmm. But they also know Paris really well. Yeah. And they know that any way, anything you say, anything you want Paris to do, you have to make her look good mm-hmm. when yeah. she does it. Yeah. Which then ties into the rest of the scene, which is Rory... Pitching her on the hemline. Yeah, because she's like, I thought you would want to be a president that would be beloved and respected. And Paris says, if I fix the hemline issue, I'll be beloved. Because she's like, this has nothing to do with what I want my legacy to be. Yeah. And I don't want people to remember the only thing I did was change the hemline length. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I understand that side of it. But, I mean, the eyes, the daggers that Francie was sending Rory during mm-hmm. that thing, it was, it was like... creepy. Yeah, she's yeah. like, okay, I have to do something. Well, it sucks because it's like the one, if you start doing it, though, and you go and do it, then she knows you're well, like, her little lap dog, and she's yes. going to keep right. on doing it for fun and make it even harder each time. Yeah, which is like, I feel like Rory took the right approach, and but I feel like I would have respected it more if she had just... Been honest. Off- well, and if she, if she had just offered it on her own without, like, Francie pressuring her, because she made a good point. It's like, yeah, I, I know that you don't care about this, but the student body yeah. cares, because they're all horny teenagers. Like, they right. want to wear short skirts. So, like, well, it kind of reminds me of, like, so in Minnesota, we had 
this whole like big debate about legalizing marijuana yeah this last year and um we had a new legislature come in and they were doing like all these great things like they made like school lunches free for everybody and they um other stuff that i can't think of right now but it was like (laughs) it was all like just very good stuff that we've needed for a very long time in this state and i feel like every time because i would be on like the minnesota subreddit and stuff and it'd be like wall signs the lunch bill into law and every time there'd be all these comments from like douchey frat bros that are like that's great but like when's he legalizing weed like legalize weed already shut up like don't do anything else until you've done this and it's like okay this is clearly like the hemline issue where you you know you need to shut people up so you can get other things done like other other things that are arguably more important yeah but that but they're not the things that people care about right and i think too like it speaks volumes that paris her level of maturity is above others in some ways and that she knows this is not a pressing issue yeah but the whole idea of politics is that sometimes you have to deal with the non-pressing issues to get your pressing issues through And I think that's what Rory is trying to tell her. Like, take care of this and people will be more likely to say yes to the other things you you want. You need to, like, butter up your electorate. Yeah. And, like, while I was watching this, I'm like, she is Jiminy Cricket. Like, Rory is Paris's conscience. Because I don't know if Paris intellectually understands things on the same level that Rory does. Yeah, I think making the comment about, like, Kirk possibly being neurodivergent, I think Paris could be as well. Oh, yeah. And I think it's it's that, like, everything is incredibly logical, and you can't understand why someone would have, like, an attachment to, like, I just really want to get her short skirt in, or skirt shortened. Yeah. That it's, like... It doesn't always have to be logical. No. Some people just want things. Mm-hmm. And if you're in politics, you need to know how to like cater to that to some degree. Yeah, absolutely. We have just a short little scene at the Gilmore residence where Lorelai and Rory are getting ready for Friday night dinner and they're kind of arguing back and forth because Lorelai doesn't even want to go after what happened at the diner. But Rory says, we need to be there. We need to go. This is expected of us to be there. Kirk calls and he gets the answering machine and he says, hello, hello. And then he hangs up and Lorelai's like, the answering machine confused him. That's the guy that likes me. And Rory's like, well, maybe you should just consider adoption. And I'm like, is she making a joke that she needs to adopt Kirk? Yeah, probably. Like, he'd be better off. Oh, no, I think it's... Yeah, I I thought about this joke last night, but I think she's saying that, like, if you married Kirk, you should consider adopting children rather than having his babies. Oh, okay. (laughs) Thank you for explaining that, because that went over my head big time. Um, at that point, then, he calls back, and he's like, Lorelai, hello? 
And Kirk's mom picks up the phone and she's like, hello, who is this? And you hear Kirk say, mom, get off the phone. I'm like, this is Kirk's life. <laughs> He's like, I'm even... making a very important yeah, I'm phone sure. call right now. And it could be Lorelai's life too. Yeah. <laughs> But as he's leaving the second message, they are out the door. Yeah. So clearly she has not given Kirk a response yet. And he was just calling to see if she had made up her mind. And uh, clearly has not. I mean, she has, but he doesn't know that she yet. Hasn't, she hasn't figured out how to tell him yet. Yeah. So I think it's very sweet that he calls to like check in on her. Another very mature... I'd be so annoyed. <laughs> I mean, yeah. He's not calling every day. I yeah. get the sense yeah. that it's been a few days. So, interesting contrast here, but how many times have they mentioned, like, Dean's called you 17 times today. <sighs> and they're like, oh, Dean, he loves me. And then Kirk calls once. once. Twice. Well, the first time yeah. he messed up. Right. Yeah. Exactly. He was yeah. confused. Yeah, it's like, I count this as he called once. <laughs> yeah. Because he only left one voicemail. It's not mm-hmm. like, uh, Lorelai, it's a 9.15 and yeah. I called you at 9.10. Yeah. And so I'm just calling, like, oh, but you but you think those guys are hot, so you don't mind when they do that? I no. don't. I but, know. I don't uh, mind. No, no I, I mean. <laughs> no clingy. What if I mean, Luke I'm, called I'm, you 17 times? I mean, I'm not saying you wouldn't mind that. I'm just saying, yeah. like, Lorelai and Rory. Yeah. Because those are, like men that they want yeah definitely yeah i think it's a good contrast to see going into this next scene too because you're like okay this this person like respects your boundaries and now we are about to see a scene with a man who respects no boundaries right and a mother who respects no boundaries yeah although in Chris's case, he did call several, to, like, and left a bunch of voicemails. So Yeah, like 45 but, times, I think he said. But even in that case, goes back to, Dean called you 17 times. It's like, Oh, he loves me. It's like, dude, after the first 40 voicemails, do you think 41 is going to be the one that makes Lorelai pick up the phone? I would say after the first two. Yeah. Leave it alone. <laughs> yeah, like, one every three days, maybe. Oh, I don't, I don't know. No, 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 no. I, I'm just saying, like, I don't know. I, I mean, I hate Chris. You know, I'm not like defending him. No, just... I know. Also, um, I just wanted to comment on the writing. I think it's funny how, like, at the start of the scene, Lorelai is just talking nonstop about how she's not going to go. She's not going to go. I'm not going to go. And all the while is like clearly getting ready. And Rory's like, you have to go. Do you want this shoe or this shoe? She's like, that shoe. Yeah. So, like... Mm-hmm. It's, it's very much like Cameron Fry. Yeah, I was I'll just go. thinking that. I'll go. I'll go. I'll, I'll go. go. <laughs> if I don't he'll go, just he'll just keep calling he'll just me. keep calling. He's gonna keep on calling. 20 bucks as he's sitting in his car right now debating whether he wants to go out or not. <laughs> in two weeks, he'd my... have a diamond. Yeah, I was going to say, pardon my French, but Cameron's so tight. That if he shoved a di- uh, piece Lump of coal up, up his, his ass, ass in two, two weeks, weeks he'd have a diamond. <laughs> yeah. Yep. That would be Lorelai in this moment. Good old Matthew Broderick. Mm-hmm. The father that Rory does deserve. Yeah. <laughs> All right. We have reached dinner. Friday night dinner. And Lorelai and Rory show up. Emily has to answer the door because the maid is nowhere to be found. We meet the new maid. 
She seems very nice, a little flighty. They sit down to have drinks. There's nothing at the bar that Emily needs. And Lorelai can sense that things are a little tense at the Gilmore residence. As they sit down for their drinks, the maid comes in and says, dinner is ready. And Emily says, it's 6.30. I told you we won't eat till 7. And then decides, you know what? It's fine. We'll go sit down. And we can all be in bed by 9. Which, honestly, that sounds great. <laughs> like a nice meal, in bed by 9. Yeah, like what does Emily have to stay up for? Yeah, I mean, yeah. So they sit down and Lorelai's like, what's going on? You've had maids deported for less than this. And she says that Richard made a joke that she can't keep maids very long. So, Bryn, I think this is a good moment to transition to um, your mentor, Larry's theory. Yeah, he brought up an interesting theory to me once about how Emily's relationship with her maids and the fact that she always fires them, usually over, like, very minor like insignificant things Mm -hmm. is kind of a mirror to her relationship to Mm Lorelai and how like the fact that she can't keep these maids because in her in her eyes they keep screwing up it's like she takes out her frustration with her daughter because to her she feels Lorelai can't stop screwing up but she can't cut her out so instead the maids kind of like bear the brunt of it Mm. and I think like And I mean, this isn't my theory, so this is Larry who kind of came up with this. Um, And I think it's pretty sound, but I think also, like, her relationship to her maids, like, like it comes up every now and then in episodes, and it always seems to be, like, mirroring what's going on with her and Lorelai in that Mm -hmm. episode. Yeah. And in this case, it's, you know, she's giving this poor girl a chance and, like, trying not to be as, like, uptight. To the mm. point where she's letting, like, some pretty drastic things slide. That, like, she's just clearly not cut out to be a good maid. And no one would fault her for like, firing her. Like, she doesn't her. even understand what the doorbell... Yeah, she, yeah she... she's like, oh, the doorbell <laughs> is, the, bigger... is the big bell. The little bell is the oven. Yeah. I get it. Yeah, it's like, how do you not, like, know, <laughs> know what know a, what, know a what, doorbell sound Or know when like. a sound is coming from an oven rather than door. <laughs> But yeah. um but, but yeah like so... now she's trapped though cuz she can't this girl is really bad and she can't fire her cuz Richard made the comment. Yeah, she doesn't want to like she can't give in too soon. She doesn't want Richard to give her the business about it. Yeah, cuz so... she said she's been there for 3 days. So I'm mm-hmm. assuming Richard has met this new maid and if he comes back into town and there's another maid, yeah. It'll just be hell. Yeah, like, he probably made that joke after she hired this new maid. And saw how and, bad she and like, was. <laughs> so, so he, like, deliberately, like, set her up. Yeah, But, totally. yeah, so I feel like her, well, her trying to keep her around, too, is, I think, like, a mirror to, it, we'll see in this scene, like, once we get to it, but she is a little more, like, conciliatory towards um, Lorelai. Mm-hmm. And I think, too, it's it's, like, even from the beginning of that scene... Like, you know, she's, like, wound up, but it seems to only be about the maid. Like, I think she's, at least for, you know, Friday Night Dinner, is willing to set aside, like, her blow up with Lorelai Mm -hmm. at Luke's. It's like, okay, whatever. 
Like, we don't have to talk about that here. It doesn't fix anything, but she's willing to at least sweep it under the rug. Yeah, Um, yeah. No, it's it becomes very... We become very aware that Emily is just trying to let go of these, like, issues mm -hmm. and give her a little grace to learn. Which, I mean... Sometimes when you give people that grace to learn, they become better and could be like a really great maid for her. No. But also Emily doesn't have a lot of patience Mm-mm. and doesn't want to give people grace. Yeah, because she still like snaps at her very hard when she's mm-hmm. like, dinner's ready. And she's like, oh, we want dinner at seven. And she's yeah. like, oh, oh, okay. And she's like, no, it's okay. It's fine. Yeah. Reminds me of Hades from Hercules. Totally. Yeah. And I think too, we see... This moment where kind of what you were talking about, Bryn, where she's really hard on Lorelai with this whole Christopher issue. And then we see her give grace. So while they're sitting down to eat, the maid is bringing the salads and then the doorbell rings and she answers the door. And last night, Bryn was like, it's kind of weird that no one is addressing the fact that they've sat down to dinner and the doorbell is ringing. Yeah, like they weren't Mm -hmm. expecting anybody. So... I'm kind of surprised there wasn't some dialogue of like, oh, who could that be? You know, because yeah. it's like, who would show up at this hour? Right. But whatever. It's just a weird like writing thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. So at that point, then Christopher walks in and says he needs to talk to Lorelai. And they immediately start fighting. Um. There's a lot of back and forth. He says, we really need to talk about what's going on. This is not what I wanted. And he goes, you know what, Lorelai? I would expect this from you, but not you to keep, it's not like you to keep Rory away from me. And she's like, what are you talking about? And he goes, why hasn't she returned any of my phone calls? And at that moment, Rory interrupts and says, I made the choice to not return your phone calls. I don't want to talk to you. Go be someone else's dad. And then she like runs upstairs. Um, so this is a great moment of Rory setting a boundary to Christopher by saying, leave me the fuck alone. I don't want to talk to you right now. And if I don't call you and I don't talk to you, it's because I don't want to. Mm-hmm. And I think it's such a great moment to of like Rory asserting her autonomy as an adult. Mm-hmm. Because like, you know, your parents, they'll always see you as the kid yeah like that's no matter how old you are that's always like your relationship to them but like even when rory comes in right at the beginning and rory's not even like screaming or like crying or anything she's just talking a little more loudly and a little more firm than usual Mm -hmm. and it's enough to make lorelei go okay honey calm down and it's like no that's not what this situation needs right now it needs rory to step up and advocate for herself yeah. Because Chris isn't going to believe it if it's coming from Lorelai. Right. And Rory, like, Rory is a high school senior. Like, that's... This year, she will be an adult if she's not one already. Mm-hmm. You're, when you're an adult, you can say things for yourself. And I don't know. I just... I, I have a lot of thoughts, and they're not even necessarily relevant to this show. But just, like, the older generations not always respecting when the younger generations are, like, of an age... Mm-hmm. where they can have opinions and they are like on the same ground as you you can't play the respect your elders like this is mommy and daddy stuff like you can't play right. that card anymore it's so disrespectful yeah 
Yeah. Yeah, completely. Uh, he wants to go up and talk to Rory. So he wants to break the boundary that Rory just set. And Lorelai says, no, you will not go up there. I will talk to her later. And he's like, oh, you'll talk to her. That's great. And says, you know, she can't get there by herself. And Lorelai's like, I've never like talked badly about you. I've never put you down in front of her. And that's true. Like she hasn't done those things. Rory has developed her own opinion based on what she saw at Suki's wedding and then also, you know, putting together piece by piece what she sees her mother go through. Mm-hmm. And it's not necessarily like a negative conversation. It's just uh, more of I'm seeing my mother go through the struggles of this relationship with this person. I know there's a lot of baggage because of this relationship and it's just not getting better. This reminds me a lot of there's a confrontation much later where it's when Emily has like basically broken up Luke and Lorelai mm-hmm. and Rory goes to the Friday night dinner like always because I think at that point they're paying for Yale. Yeah. So it's like still an obligation and Emily gets mad at her because she's like, why are you mad at me? Like I'm your grandmother. You should respect me. And um, Lorelai's or Rory is just like, I don't have to like, yeah. You did a shitty thing and I'm allowed to be mad at you for it. Yeah. And I think that's, it's just like, sorry to keep harping on that point, but just tying back into that, it's like adults thinking they cannot possibly be criticized by their children. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, the argument takes itself to the front door and he says, this isn't how I wanted things to be. And Rory, or excuse me, Lorelai says, well, Sherry's still pregnant. And he's like, Yes. Okay, are you still with Sherry? Yes. Are you going to marry Sherry? Yes. And there's like that slightest hesitation when he says that too. Mm-hmm. About and she's her. like, well, honey, then that's where we're at. This is what it is. And she says, it's killing me to see you like this. And that's when Emily steps in and gives grace and says, Christopher, you need to leave now. And he doesn't argue it. He just leaves. Which makes me really think that she didn't set this up. Yeah, I don't think she did. Like she didn't invite him or anything. Because she was pretty quick to say, like, I had nothing to do with this. Yeah. And I can understand Lorelai thinking she did. But she, like, because I think she did enable it by talking to him. Yeah. And probably, like, put that seed in his head of, like, yeah, you can talk with her and, you know, smooth it over and mm-hmm break up with sherry right and lorelei then tells her mom that if she's gonna do that she needs to have a mask and a sword which i think is a zorro reference or i think a... lone ranger or zorro yeah um but she goes outside christopher is on his motorcycle always a great sign mm-hmm and she says you just need to give it time and he rides away So, Elise, I'm wondering, what are your thoughts on this Christopher interaction, Rory interaction, all of the above? Oh, I, I don't know. I hate him. (laughs) I know. I know. It's like, I, 
I'm trying not to say the same thing over and over and over and over of how I feel about him. Damn it, Lore. <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't know why he's there. It doesn't make any sense to me. Yeah, so... What does he want? He just a, wants to... What, he, what do you a, want, Christopher? Do you just want to have sex with me? You want me to be in love with you? Is that what you want? Okay. He's a, he's a child. Like, I don't get it. Do you want me to be the woman on your side? Is that... Are we doing this at my mom's house right now? What I don't get I, what you want. I don't get it. I don't think it's like a romantic thing that he wants from her in that moment. I think he just wants them to like fawn over him and support him still. Mm-hmm. I like I don't think he'd go so far as to like have Lorelai be a side piece or anything like that. Like I for all his faults, I don't think he would like go out of his way to cheat like that. But I don't. I mean, yeah. I, mean I don't trust him only only with like what this show establishes with him like yeah within the boundaries of like what we see in the show sure like if i knew someone like him in real life i'd absolutely assume he would yeah but, i mean he kind of does because it's not like he and sherry are like broken up right you know he never like broke up with her he just he was like oh we're in a rough patch which he's Dean in that situation cheating on Lindsay with Rory. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But yeah, um, he doesn't like even like when he leaves, he doesn't even say anything back to Lorelai. She's like, give it some time. And also, <sighs> I feel like it's. I understand why she did it, but I feel like it's kind of a punk move that she like. Even felt sorry enough for him to like say something to him. I know she doesn't like, want to be blamed because she yeah. thinks that the Rory is not talking. Yeah, she has to, like, go out of her way to be understanding and be, like, patient with him. And it's like, yep. just let him be a fucking adult. And But he can't be an adult. No. And I think because they had Rory so young, they will never see each other as adults. Yeah, They will like... always see each other as 16. Yeah, he's, like, s- stunted. Mm-hmm. Like, emotionally, mentally. Mm-hmm. I just... The reason I don't think that he went there, it was somehow he's upset about all of this situation of having to be with Sherry because like even Emily said that she doesn't want he just like I talked to Christopher he doesn't want to be with her he'd rather be with you this is about it's still about Lorelai yeah and like it is like yeah I she's mad that Rory hasn't called but that to him is like oh I'm losing Lorelai if Rory's not calling me I think what it is is less that he doesn't it's not like he wants to break up with Sherry in that moment and be with Lorelai and, like, run off with her. Yeah, no. But I think probably what his machination is is, okay, I'll have the kid, I'll hang around for a couple years, and then I'll just, like, find an exit. But then when I exit, I'm getting back together with Lorelai. So I need to, like, keep on good terms with her so she's still, like, available when I'm ready for her. Because mm-hmm. that, and just further proving how these are all the same fucking person it's exactly what Lorelai does with Luke constantly she I, I mean until the point where they get together is like she tells him not to like date people or marry people or whatever because mm-hmm. she's not going to give him the time of day but she always wants him as like a fallback option yeah yeah and if if she if he dares to have a relationship with anyone else much like how Jess is having a relationship with Shane, Rory shouldn't care because she's with Dean. But she does care because she wants Jess there when she finally breaks up with Dean. 
Yeah. Because she knows she's not invested in that relationship anymore. And instead of breaking it off, it's just putzing around with it. Yep. Yeah, they're all kind of messy. Like, even when she breaks up, even when she's with Jess, she starts climbing in Dean's window. Yeah. Yeah, these girls are messy. (laughs) They're pretty messy. The girls are messy. The boys are messy. Yeah. Yeah, but it makes for good television. Yeah, I don't know. I wonder if part of it, too, if Christopher was expecting something to happen after the phone call. after, After talking to Emily. Yeah, was he expecting Emily to, like, talk to Lorelai and then Lorelai to call him back? Yeah. And then she didn't, so then he was like, okay, well, I better go, like... And that's why he spiraled. Surprise her. Yeah. yeah. And I, I This will... is clearly a manic episode. Because he's spiraling. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and I will say in Chris's defense, which is not something I usually say because fuck him, um, I don't think he ever told Emily that he didn't want to be with Sherry. I think that was just something Sherry... She got... Emily was like... I could just tell on the other line he was, like, blinking or, like, he had his fingers crossed mm-hmm. or something. Yeah. And it's like... Well, you're... she said it was a very long conversation. Yeah. So but... that had to have gotten pretty deep. I wonder if but... she just wore him down, too, but... at one point. Yeah. Well, and, and... But she admitted that she's like, well, he never said it, but I could tell. Yeah. So it's like, he, he probably never did say it. He probably was like, yes, I want to be with Sherry. Yes, I want to marry her. And she's like, but he didn't sound convicted enough. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, totally. I just think... I think he's a manipulator. Exactly. I think that he was probably figuring out how to work Emily and thinking that he would get results. It's the same thing with Francie. Yeah. Manipulating Rory into convincing Paris. Which, you know, for Chris talking about how he, like, has known Lorelai for so long and he, like, knows her inside and out, you should probably know that Emily is not the way to yeah, convince te- Lorelai yeah, of anything. Thinking, oh, well, if I team up with Emily, we can, like, tag team Lorelai and that'll get her. It's like, dude, teaming up with Emily is going to make her not want to touch you with a 39 and a half foot pole. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. So well, if, if Emily says the sky is blue, Lorelai will say the sky is green. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, you know, the drama with men is not over yet. No. So, <laughs> let us finish out this episode. J-E-S-S-S-S. Yes. Yes. <laughs> All right, our girls are on their way home, and they're about to stop at the market for a few snacks. But before they go inside, Kirk stops Lorelai and then Rory decides she'll go into the market by herself and Lorelai kind of tries to break it easy to Kirk. Kirk asks if she has a tuna allergy mm-hmm. and she's like, oh no, I tuna's fine. And she goes, but you know, Kirk, I have to tell you, I just, I just got out of like a relationship. So I, I don't think I can go out with you. And he was like, oh, Okay. Was the tuna thing, like, too personal? And she was like, no, no, I thought that was... The tuna inquiry. Yeah, I thought that was very thoughtful. And he was like, oh, okay. He's always worried about crossing boundaries. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's a very nice difference. funny to juxtapose this scene right after Chris would take no for an answer. Yeah. 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 So, while that whole thing is happening... 
We are now inside. Well, actually, Bryn, you had a lot to say last night about Kirk. I think you're blowing that way out of proportion. I just I just made a comment that like... <laughs> well, excuse me. So I just made a comment like last night while we were watching this that I wasn't like a huge fan of how Lorelai like let him down. Okay. Just because... and Did you feel like it was partly like she was just using it? Yeah, exactly. So, like a like, prop, so, like Dean. But, but Amy made a good point. Like I don't blame her for how she handled it. Yeah. I think she did about as well as she could have, because if she had just been, you know, there's a thing as being too honest, mm. where it's like she could have easily said, "No, I don't want to date you because you're fucking weird and you live with your mom and your mom sounds really weird too." And I just, I'm not attracted to you. Like yeah, like however many like reasons she has okay, whatever, just, you know, say, oh, I just got out of a relationship, I'm, you know. Like, that's not the reason she doesn't want to go out with Kirk. Mm-hmm. If, mm-hmm. if Kirk had asked her before she was seeing Christopher again, she would have had to find some other reason to say no. Yeah. But I also understand it's like you don't want to hurt his feelings. Sure, yeah. And I, I made a crack while we were watching this about how Kirk is too good for Lorelai, which... On some level, I think is true. <laughs> yeah, it's. I don't he, know how else she could have let him down, though. Yeah, it's too... hard to let someone. I mean, I, I've I've lied before. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, she's not even really lying. Yeah, no. yeah, because like it is true. Although it's... now I just say I do for someone when I do get hit on. I and if they ask me, can I have your number or whatever? Now I just say no. I just say no. I don't no. have to explain. You don't have to give them a reason. Like, but they don't need a reason. I tell them it's 867 Yeah, but, like, with Kirk, it's different. It's a friend, yeah. you know? Right. Um, yeah. So it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's you got to be delicate. It's not like some dude on the street. Yeah, she, like, even says, off. you're my friend. I, like, like you. Mm-hmm. I don't want to compromise that. Yeah. And honestly, like, him going out with Lulu is, like, one of the most wholesome um, things that comes about in this series. I know. It takes so long to get there, though. But I'm glad it happened. Yeah. I think she's a great, like, addition to the cast. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I I feel for Lorelai because I think when he complimented her and it was so genuine, she knew that she had to let him down very easily. Mm -hmm. And she was very, like, soft about it and gentle. And I think, you know... It's really hard to get rejected, but it's sometimes it's also really hard to reject someone oh, yeah. that you do care about. Mm-hmm. Right. And and there are like higher stakes. I mean, I can even speak to that. Like we were roommates when I like put myself out there and I was like, okay, if this doesn't go well, I still have to live with him for like another year. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what, you know, what, what do you do? Um, and I'm I really glad you just like let me down easy, right? <laughs> by marrying you. Yeah. <laughs> but um, the long con. I wanted to mention too that um, I like that. So, Kirk came up to them on the street, and he was like, "By the way, I know you don't have an answer yet, and I'm not looking for one. I just wanted to ask something." And then she says, "No, I'm not allergic to doing it." He starts to walk away, and I want to say one good for him for not. Like, being like, well, now that I'm here, you might as well answer my question. Yeah. Like, no manipulation mm-hmm. like that. 
Because I was thinking, like, oh, it is kind of lame that she only said something because he, he like, came up to her in person and she couldn't avoid it. But it's like, no, right. she, she yeah. totally could have. Cause, yeah, because he was so, ready to, like, end the conversation. Yeah, so I want to, like, because I feel like I dump on Lorelai a lot. You do. And I want to say she could easily be one of, and I know pe- known people like this, they love that men just like liking them. She, like, yeah. like she could have strung him along. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So like, Just to get attention. When I said I dump on Lorelai a lot, and you were like, you do. <laughs> you do, you though. Do. I mean. You do. Because it's fun. But also, I do want to give her some points here that, like, yeah. she didn't, she wasn't like, oh, thank God he's gone. Okay, yeah, I can, she wasn't. I can put this off for another week or whatever. Yeah. But anyway. I think she knew that, like, deep down, it was just going to get more and more difficult yeah, to it, avoid. It's, it's like if he's, like, going through more effort to, like, yeah. put the date on. It's like, you don't want him to. Because he was clearly, like, surveying her like, to be, like. Okay, we could go here. We could go. So he was gonna make feed her tuna. Like, yeah. No. <laughs> so he was gonna probably make tuna sandwiches and maybe. Yeah, because I was like, oh, go maybe on a they're picnic. gonna have sushi. But then I was oh, like, no, oh, he tuna would sandwiches not. Sandwiches and mac and cheese. That was like my Ew. favorite combo as a kid. Like you put the macaroni and cheese in your tuna sandwich. No, I'm not a savage. Okay. <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> Just have a bowl of mac and cheese and a tuna fish sandwich. Heck. Wow. <clears throat> the glass of milk, I bet. Yeah. Skim. Yeah. God. Ew. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, <laughs> yeah, I think it's great that Lorelai learned to give some grace. Yeah. And while that whole thing is happening, we have Rory inside shopping. And when she walks down one aisle, she sees Jess. And she kind of tries to just like walk by him or whatever. And... She ends up confronting him about Shane and he's like, uh, wait a fucking minute. You don't get to come at me about Shane. Aren't you with Dean? She's like, yeah. He goes, well, did you write me a letter? Did you call me this summer? Did you send a smoke signal? She's like, no. Okay. Then you have no right to be upset with me about Shane. If you're with Dean. And it's very mirroring of the whole situation that we just saw go down with. It was almost the same exact argument. Except one thing I think is funny that it's different is that Chris, they were like mad at Chris because he called 45 times and wouldn't take the hint. Whereas Jess is mad that... didn't call at all. Well, Jess is mad that Rory didn't call or didn't make any... Yeah, but But, like the structure of how he was saying it was exactly like how Lorelai's structure was like, is Sherry still pregnant? Are you still with her? Are you marrying her? He did the same cadence, the same quickness. I think too, like this whole dialogue also speaks to the emotional immaturity of Rory that she assumed because they shared a kiss that he was going to be pining for her all summer. Mm Mm-hmm. And it's like, girl, get a grip. If you look like that, you ain't waiting no, for nobody. And I could not. If he, the way he was arguing with her was so attractive, I would I die. I know. Yeah, <laughs> I would be like. I also. This is kind of unrelated no. to the argument, but when she was like, "What's been going on around here?" Like they were making very like brief small talk, mm-hmm. and he mentioned something about like, "Oh, there was one on snow cones," and Taylor was like 
trying to call the National Guard. <laughs> I just feel like it's just a, a little detail that kind of colors in that he's like adjusting to Stars Hollow and he like yeah he knows he knows the town he knows yeah. the people he knows the kind of things that happen yeah and I just love that he I just love how he totally put her in her place yeah mm-hmm. it's, it's like with no hesitation it's it's really funny to me how Rory could just have had that confrontation with her dad and completely been in the right in that situation and then immediately have an argument with someone else where she is her dad mm-hmm. and not realize I'm the stupid one here. Yeah. Because, yeah. <laughs> like, Jess is doing the healthy thing. He's like, okay, Rory's doesn't want anything to do with me. I'll just well. go use another girl. Right. Yeah. Be completely Which healthy. I do want to say, and this might not even be the best episode for it, but it just happens to be the one that I'm on. Um, and I've, I've seen this point talked about on like Reddit and stuff. So I'm not like, it's not necessarily an original thought. I do feel really bad for Shane. I think she's treated like dirt by the show. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. It, it makes me just think that like Amy Sherman Palladino probably was like bullied by girls like her in high school and is like, I'm going to take my revenge on them now. And like, just write them as these like vapid bimbos who don't deserve. Well, and it like goes with the trope of it's never the man's fault. It's always the woman's fault. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Cause like they, like Rory hates Shane. It's like, Shane's not doing anything wrong. I know. Like she's just, she's dating the guy you like while you're in a relationship with someone else. Yeah. Like Shane, they didn't give her a ton to work with. I don't think yeah, they but, wanted her to, but I, I like Shane. I know. Well, I, I know. Well, I, I think, think it's, she's funny. I think it's just an issue that crops up in this series a lot. Yeah. Is, mm-hmm. first of all, there's a certain type of, like, woman physically that the show does not like. And it is those, like, girls who dress in really skimpy outfits and they have, like, the bleach blonde hair and stuff. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I can totally see, you know, Amy being in... Amy Sherman, not you. But, like, mm-hmm. being in her typewriter, like, <laughs> I'm going to show all them show all the girls who were mean to me that they're not shit and I hate them and I'm in charge, you know, whatever. But, <laughs> you think that's what she was doing? Yes. And I think she literally went, <laughs> as she was typing. I think she was writing a stereotype. Yeah. But also... Yeah, and I mean, like, can you blame her? Because it's like the early 2000s. Yeah. All writing was just stereotypes. <laughs> but also, I, there's something to be said about this show casts judgment so quickly on the women who dare to stand in Lorelai and Rory's way. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, like it's, it's, it's like center of morality is so focused on Lorelai and Rory should be able to get what they want when they want. Mm-hmm. And if they don't want it, they can drag them along. Or if they do want it, like it doesn't matter if they're in a relationship or it doesn't matter if they have like other obligations. Fuck you. Get out of the way. Like we're, this is the Gilmore Girls. This is our show. Yeah. And I feel like Shane kind of represents that here. Is like, the only thing Shane did wrong was not be Rory. Yeah. And it's so easy as the audience to, like, take their side, right? Because we're mm-hmm. like, we want her with Jess. And, you know, I even think of this with um, The Office. Yeah. Like, Pam Beasley, to me, is super problematic. Like, I love Pam, but she was awful to, like, Jim's girlfriend, prayed by Amy Adams, she, oh, that was yeah. really terrible. Yeah. I mean, and she's she terrible was... to Rashada Jones. Yeah, Rashida Jones. Yeah. Like, yeah. No, she was, like, super toxic towards them. Yeah, yeah. and I, I think it's, like, the reason I keep up bringing up, like, what she bullied by these type of people is I think 
Pam is also kind of similar to like Rory, where she is kind of this like nerdy mousy girl who I I think there's enough like tropes and enough stereotypes in media that like we're meant to see that as that means you have substance, unlike these girls who are mm-hmm. you know just because like they have bleach blonde hair well they must be stupid mm-hmm. and they must not have personalities or opinions or like just using shane to get back at rory is not cool no no just as an asshole and e- even if for shane... doing that to shane and even if shane is like the stupidest person on the planet she deserves doesn't every... make it right people deserve to be treated well yeah yeah unless he like told her and she's like you're so hot sure i would be like use me <laughs> you are just like perpetuating the problem <laughs> you, you can you, use me just use me abuse me because you ain't that average group yeah you know, let's make yeah. her mad i'll help you i'll help yeah. you i can help and so. then you end up falling in love anyway and yeah it would like, be toxic it would be a bad idea but yeah so mm-hmm. worth it my yeah. summer goals summer of 69 also, man, Dean really was not in this episode. No, he was in it for that, like, like two-second yeah, thing was, in the beginning. When he said that he already ate breakfast. And I, <laughs> His yeah. oatmeal. And I think he was in the opening credits, too, which is funny that, like, he got to be in there for five seconds and get, like, top billing. Yeah. Yeah. He's a big deal. I mean, I'm sure I'm sure that was in his contract. Like any episode that I'm in, you need to put me in the opening credits now. Cause... Yeah. Yeah, they started doing that. Yeah. So what a good episode. You know, it ends on a really high note, I yeah, will say. It does. Yeah, it sure And Rory's like, does. I'm done, which Oh yeah, because she was like, Did you get everything you needed or whatever? And she's like, I'm yeah, I'm done. And she meant she was done shopping. And she was done with with Jess. J-E-S-S-S. Two meanings. But much like how Lorelai is not done with Chris. Rory is not done with Jess. Correct. The, you, <sighs> you just can't quit problematic men. You never can. Nope. I can't, and I'm a problematic man. <laughs> I can't quit myself. We call this town meeting to order. All right. Welcome to our town meeting. So, first things first, we spent a lot of time this episode talking about, like, boundaries and different things and the writing of the episode but we didn't talk so much about chris long's directing Mm -hmm. was there anything that like stuck out to you in this episode directionally Mm -hmm. do you think amy do you have anything you can go ahead yeah i have one thing when lorelei and christopher were arguing i liked the moments when the camera followed lorelei Mm-hmm. And it wasn't just like a they were standing in place and the camera went back and forth. There was that moment when she pulled away from Christopher and the camera followed her pulling away. I liked that. It felt like reality TV kind of in a sense. Mm-hmm. We don't really get a lot of movement with one character. So that was kind of an interesting choice and it was so subtle. But, you know, overall... Nothing, like, super stuck out to me. Yeah. I liked how... I liked the feel of Rory and Jess at the end 
at the end in the grocery market because like to mm-hmm. me it seemed like the market seemed like I've never seen it that way before yeah late at night like the lighting yeah. was very different in there even the like even the layout seemed a little bit like new and mm-hmm. fresh and exciting mm-hmm. yeah I think it's an interesting choice to have that to have that scene happen at the market at night mm-hmm. because I feel like we never see them in there in the evening time I think like the movie night mm-hmm. when they went and got junk food mm-hmm. and Lorelai invited Dean over for Willy Wonka. Yeah. Um, but it seemed brighter and like the cramped space. And I felt like it felt more intimate. Jess was like, you know, right over her shoulder mm-hmm. and I felt cramped with her, but like also I felt like the sexual tension. Um, cause I was like, Oh, get closer, get closer. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think that really stood out to me. That was really well done. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. And I even agree. the even the diner scene with Luke and they were standing very close. I, together. I was like, he was getting really close to her. I and had I to was remind like myself that like I was in season three, and I was like, oh yeah, they're not dating yeah. yet. Yeah, <laughs> I was mm-hmm. like, but like even just like Emily there and Luke there, and I thought that was wow. Like it wasn't a new look to the diner. Um, I don't know. Yeah, I, I think he like that... tried some things with the characters that we haven't seen mm-hmm. yet. Um, in a way that like he really, Chris Long really played with the body language mm-hmm. of the characters during their dialogue, which is an interesting choice. Yeah, yeah. Okay, That's nice. I like that. I want to see if that stays as like a relevant thing for him directionally. So, okay. We have trivia questions. Trivia. Let's hear your trivia. Okay. I'm scared. This is like, these aren't I ones. On, these okay. are, I just found these on the internet. Okay. But they're going to go faster than last time. And it's going to be a lightning round. Just, and I okay. will stop it when I want to. So get get oh, in. no. Okay. Answer as fast as you can, okay? Okay. Should I just say the first thing yeah. that comes to mind? Yeah. you put some little trivia music behind this? I can. Doo-doo. Okay. Yeah. Who speaks the first line of the series? Lorelai. And what does she say? Is it Luke, please? Coffee? Please. Sustenance? Very please. close. I will give it to you. That was bonus points. I I don't know. Okay. Fake bonus points. Please, Luke, please, please, please. Okay. Is her first line. Okay. Which journalist does Rory idolize? Uh, Christiana Amanpour. Yes. How old was um, Lane when she started playing Lane? 27? 26. Okay. Which character was originally scripted as a woman, but now is played by a man? Luke Danes. <laughs> I knew you knew that. She was supposed to be named Daisy. Really? I think so. Oh, my God. Yeah. Um, Which, uh, no, I'm not going to do that one. You'll know that one. <laughs> okay. Okay, I'll just say it. Okay. Everybody be mad. Which Glee star appears as the nurse in season, season one? Oh, Jane Lynch. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, what is the name of Bad Bet's cat that dies in season one? Uh, cinnamon. Yeah, you could answer that faster. <laughs> What's right? Okay, this is my last question. This is a really good one. Okay. What is the population of Stars Hollow on the sign? On the sign? It says "Welcome to Stars Hollow." <sighs> population. I know it says founded in like sixteen something. 
I don't even see that on the sign. It just says welcome. Oh, are you to... talking about like the green sign? I'm talking about the the blue, the blue one. Oh, I have no idea. Nine thousand nine hundred and seventy-three peeps. I am sorry. There are not 9,000 people living in (laughs) Stars Hollow. I have lived in towns bigger than Stars Hollow, and there were like 3,000 people. Yeah. And even then I was like, there are not 3,000 people (laughs) living in this small town. No way in hell. Okay. Yeah. That was good. Yeah. Lightning round was good. Yeah. You're right. Totally. Some of them were really very easy, but... But some of them do trip me up. Yeah. Especially because I've been watching ahead. Mm-hmm. I, I saw the episode where Madeline Albright plays Lorelai in the morning for Rory's birthday. Mm-hmm. And so I wanted to say Madeline Albright instead of Christiana Amanpour, but then I was like, wait a second. Where am I at? Yeah. <laughs> in this series (laughs) i was wondering i'm like i'm not sure i remember that one yeah but yeah um, that was awesome i think i'll keep on that energy going forth which is like like fast lightning round if you can and tell us if you you know it faster than me you probably do me no the audience (laughs) the audience (laughs) and please send your questions I have it set up on Spotify so you can submit questions easily. Like a trivia question. Yep, like a trivia question. And then also I have our email in the description so you can email us a trivia question as well. Okay, that brings us to pop culture. All right. All right, Elise. I think you should go first this time. I went first last time. No, I think you made me go first last time. I have to go first this time. Yes. Dang it. And I thought I knew. I thought yours was going to be that woman on the run from the fbi because you I'm were like clearly I psychotic know that was a reference <laughs> you're like you like i look over and you're smiling at me you go is that your pop culture i go i didn't even know it was a reference <laughs> i was just so happy because she mentioned the community theater thing no, oh totally all right okay let's hear so, it mine actually happened right before that it did yes okay so rory comes in and she was like, or so it's when Lorelai goes into the bedroom to wake up Rory and tell her, wants to tell her is about the Is it the, the legend of Bagger Vance? Yes. What the hell is that? It's a movie. So Rory says, I got home at 10 and you were already asleep. And then Lorelai says, well, I was, tr- well, I was trying to watch the legend, the legend of Bagger Vance again. Implying the movie puts her to sleep every single time. And she's tried to watch it. Clearly, she's never made it through. Yes. And I feel the same way exactly about this movie. I don't even think I saw this movie. Okay. It's a movie that came out in 2001. Oh, so... No, no, sorry. 2000. So it was pretty recent. Yes. Okay. It's a sports film directed by Robert Rutford. Okay. Starring Will Smith, Matt Damon, Charlize Theron. That's like big names. Yes. Okay. So the movie is, um, oh, also, I'm going to put this. It was also the final film starring Jack Lemmon. Before he died. Yeah. I love Jack Lemmon. And Lane Smith, but I don't know who Lane Smith is. (laughs) I don't either, but I do know who Jack Lemmon is. But the plot is based off of a Hindu sacred text by Bhagavad. Gita, I don't know if I okay. 
saying that correctly. I wouldn't be one to correct you. It depicts a god, Krishna, tutoring a war warrior hero, and that's what this movie's about. It's basically Will Smith comes in and teaches Matt Damon how to how to be a better golfer again, and he's like a traveling man but like he uses religion to do it it's like based off this bahagava text of like this one person being good at something but like losing their capabilities and then another person another person comes in and teaches that person how to look at life differently that sounds so, so boring it is but this also the film was like very criticized by the African American community, American, the African American community, because it, they felt or they feel that it uh, glorifies the magical black man, white, yeah, like I'm the savior kind of, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I do perception, yeah, but it to me. I wanted to see it because I love Charlize. It's yeah. really, I don't know. Did what you, wa- you've say? never watched it? Are I don't you... think so. Yeah. That sounds like a movie I'd be like, <laughs> no. And I just love that Lorelai. She's like, she just keeps wanting to make it. I through. just thought it was like clever. I'm like, yeah, you picked like a movie about golfing. Right. Like on what planet would Lorelai watch a sports movie? Like Rudy. Oh my god. <laughs> I don't even my dad made me watch that. Rudy so much when I was a kid. Really? Yes. That's like Cuba saw... Gooding Jr., right? Rudy? Yeah. Um, and no, it, Rudy is the Hobbit. Sean, Sean Aston? Sean Aston. What am I thinking of? What's the movie with Cuba Gooding Jr.? Like Jerry Maguire? No, there's a football movie he does. Oh, it's called Radio. <laughs> <laughs> okay, everybody. Yeah. Um, my reference comes from Suki. And it's when she is complaining about having to make a vegetarian meal. And mm-hmm. she says... Did the people tell Degas enough with the ballet yeah. dancers already? Draw a fruit bowl instead. So I picked Edgar Degas because I was like, oh, another artist yeah. reference. Let's go for it. So he was born in 1834. He died in 1917. He was known for Impressionism, modern art, realism. He did a lot of pastels, oil painting. Um, some of his more famous pieces were like, the ballet class and the ballet rehearsal and the dancing class and a lot of that kind of thing. Um, he actually came from a very wealthy family that supported his like artistic abilities, which is pretty rare for that time period. Um, he was legally blind in his left eye and he never married and he spent the last years of his life progressively becoming more and more blind just wandering the streets of paris until Mm. he died and i was like that is so dark and depressing yeah and um and epic yeah to be like this incredible artist 
and then to just be like nothing at mm. the end. Like it's pretty deep. It pretty is scary kind of <laughs> feeling where you're just like okay, so you can be really cool and then be absolutely nothing the next yeah. <laughs> so, you know, I great. just thought great. I That's... loved that. And you know, I almost picked Paul Newman. When yeah, when Luke says the Caesar dressing reference, yeah, when Emily yeah. says, "How's your, how's your Caesar dressing?" and he's like, "I don't know, I'll have to ask Paul Newman." Yeah, I almost did that one. Well, and you told me as a joke that you actually did Hanes earlier, <laughs> and I was like, "You did the underwear brand." <laughs> yeah. Oh, actually, yeah. I did have a fun fact about the um, the Paul Newman oh, salad share. dressing. Yeah. So in 1980, Paul Newman, he's, he's an actor. He's no longer with us. He passed away in 2008 of lung oh, cancer. So he was still alive when they made this reference. Yeah. But so in 1980, Paul Newman with his friend A.E. Hotchner. Okay. What a name, right? Yeah. They just decided, hey, you know what? Why don't you and I get together and make some salad dressing and pour it into wine bottles and then we'll give it to our friends and family for like presents because Paul Newman obviously can't afford to right buy a present yeah <laughs> but everyone loved it his like the friends and their family loved the dressing so they started a business they started the salad dressing that is so weird yeah but apparently from what i read on wikipedia like, all the profits go to charity after taxes. Oh, seriously? Yeah. And when he died in 2008, well, I don't know if this was before he died or after he died, Paul Newman, he was um, voted as, like, the most charitable giving celebrity that year. Wow. Yeah. So I don't know if, like, a lot of his assets maybe went to charities after he passed away. Because yeah. I, I was assuming in 2008. Yeah. He was voted that. So... Yeah, I thought oh that was gosh. kind of interesting. That is interesting. Mm-hmm. I didn't know that about him at all. Yeah. He also was like a race car driver. I didn't know that. Yeah. <laughs> Look at everyone. We are learning things here. Yeah. And- you can't say that Gilmore Girls has never taught you anything. You can't. Like, look at all of the references that we learned about in this episode alone. Like, I didn't know that... Lorelai referenced Billy Carter. I didn't know Jimmy Carter had a brother. <laughs> Me either. And Billy Carter was the embarrassing brother to the president. And he had his own beer called Billy Beer. Bryn mm-hmm. had told us about that before he left. And I was like, I mean, this is what's so cool me. about the show. I mean, I mean, to be honest, it's probably one of my, it is probably my favorite thing about the show. Oh, absolutely. I mean, that's what I knew would pull you in. Because yeah. I was like, Elise. I love it. They talk movies and books and music constantly. And that's like my thing. I love it because, you know, I thought about Dawson's Creek did that mm-hmm. a ton with movie references. Mm-hmm. Like, I love well, the reference. And these ones are rich. It's not dumb. Right. Right. And I and sometimes with like when I watch like Jenny and Georgia and I'm not trying to rip, rip that show apart or anything I do enjoy it, I just feel like their pop culture you can see the difference mm-hmm. of how they where that one's a little bit more like placed yeah. there. Yeah, where, this I don't one know is a thinker. Yeah, like you have to think about it. Yeah, it's like not obvious references. Right. It's like we're gonna make these references, and if you know them, you know them. If you don't, you don't. <laughs> you don't care. Right. 
it, and you can't always what? get a- it didn't affect the way i enjoyed the show when no. i was a kid like i didn't i didn't know any of this stuff when mm-hmm. i first watched this show and now as i watch it and as we are deep diving I get a better appreciation for all of these references Mm -hmm. and how they actually play into the story that these women are trying to tell us. Yeah. And I just, I think that can be so powerful in and of itself and speaks volumes to the writing. I know one of her um, followers had messaged me and said um, that she loved the new episode and, um, I love what she said. Um, she said, there are so many beautiful and poignant moments that you guys commented on that make me really comforted in the fact that I'm a filmmaker slash artist. It's the simplicity that Amy Sherman Palladino creates in Gilmore Girls that makes it beautiful and inspirational. Mm-hmm. And I think... Um, well, I don't think... I think sh- this listener is also a writer, too. That was a very beautiful... Oh, absolutely. Very beautiful email or Um, message. And the way we talked about this earlier where they input these pop culture references, but it never feels forced. Mm -hmm. It feels completely braided into the conversation. And who knows what the writing process was like if it was like, here's the situation what can we what pop culture reference can we put in here it's more like let me write the story and then fold these in as i find Mm -hmm. them to be relevant well it's like almost (laughs) i feel like with writing and stuff and when you get taught by different if you take classes or whatever Mm -hmm. it's always very like well you gotta uh, only include what matters and don't divert too much and everything that you say has to like you know Uh, fit into you know like a mold almost Mm -hmm. like in this almost Amy the way Amy Sherman Palladino writes while shows that I love like Buffy the Vampire Slayer or Dawson's Creek that uses a ton of pop culture they don't use as much Mm -hmm. but I feel like it's harder to get away with this kind of writing and Amy Sherman Palladino just was like screw it I don't care what people say I'm just writing how I'm gonna write yeah you know Mm-hmm. And that really is what worked for this show. Yeah, she had no qualms and she took no bullshit. Mm-hmm. She was like, this is my show. This is how I want it done. This is how I'm going to write it. Yeah, so like, let me give me a script that I'm going to give you a script every for each episode. That's going to be the double amount of a script that you usually get for a show. Right. Right. I mean, yeah. That's like breaking like a lot of standards in writing. I mean, this episode only, I say only, has 30 references. That is like a reference every two minutes. Mm -hmm. And the fact that also the references are not dumbed down for younger characters. Mm -hmm. I really love that as well. It's like... Like Francine was like speaking yeah. way over my head, and she just like listed up like, like seven Margaret references. Thatcher, <laughs> and what else? I was like, did oh, I know say? that one. Yeah, Meyer Lansky, Jimmy yeah. Carter, Martin Sheen. It's like, where are you coming? And then she'll throw in Goldilocks. Yep. And it's like she used so many. I was like, my head was spinning. Yeah. I guess I knew more than than I thought I did, but and they don't dumb it down. Yeah. And I think. That shows that, like, Amy has respect for 
like a younger audience too Mm -hmm. to be like you know the younger audience might not know what this is but they can figure it out they can find it out and then it feels like layer layerable Mm -hmm. because we now know more in depth about these references and it also creates a situation where when you feel like you're with that character in a way like like they're your friend if they're making mm-hmm. references that you don't know but you yeah. want to like keep up with i don't know nope if that totally. makes sense but like yeah you like want to look it up and be like what are they talking about or you know right. like yeah. things like and that and i think it gives insight into that character as well mm-hmm. like the, all of the people that francie was listing are like pretty impressionable yeah. people and of course like, she would like margaret thratcher oh yeah <laughs> exactly know, like weird. you know and saying that like she would make Jimmy Carter look like Martin Sheen. Like, mm-hmm. she knows that, like, Rory is a good person, but Martin yeah. Sheen isn't. You know, like, she understands. And now when you watch it as an adult, you're like, well, Martin Sheen wasn't nearly as bad as Charlie Sheen. Like, I can, yeah. you know, like, recognize that stuff now. So, like, rewatching it, it's fun to think about how these references have changed so much so much because too. like charlie sheen probably hadn't got into all of his nope super right uh deviant right behavior yeah so it's kind of funny to see how like times can kind of change these references as we go but also this episode had a lot of really like political references oh, in it too God. and i just wanted to touch on um, don't ask, don't tell. Okay. As Paris references, this is like my my make them gaze reference or make my them gaze, whatever thing that she's talking like with the hemlines on the skirts, and that was a reference to don't ask, don't tell, which was a very 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 popular thing happening in the world during this time, where Bill Clinton said. You can be in the military if you're gay, as long as you don't tell anybody that you're gay. So it's interesting that they're kind of like bringing in all of these different references from all over the place, like political, entertainment, books, you know, everything. And they just wrap it up with a neat bow. Mm -hmm. And they're like, they'll figure it out if they want to. And if they don't, they don't. If they don't want to, they don't have to. Right. It's like, and some people hate it too, because I think I'm one of those TikTok videos. I think I read someone say, oh, I hate all the TikTok. I hate all the pop culture references. Yeah. It really well, dates. It dates the show. It dates it. Right. Um, but I also think it doesn't date it. It makes it relevant to that time. Mm-hmm. I think dated can be such like a negative term. I I think... I can see what they mean. Sometimes I felt like they've done that with movies and recently where they've used COVID and I feel weird about it. Ew, yeah, I don't like that. You know, because I'm like, oh, this is so, this is really going to date it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I agree with you. It's not I, dating it. It's. It's keeping it of its time. Yeah. I do think it's not the references that date this show. It's the things that they say. Yeah. That date this show. And, like, uh, mentalities. Yes. Yep, um, exactly. And some very ugly al- outfits. Yeah. The outfits that Lorelai wears dates the show more than the <laughs> references. Like I'm like, girl, 
listen to what Coco, like, Chanel says and, like... And take an accessory off before you leave the house. Like, a white bucket hat, perhaps. Maybe that. Or maybe the sweater with the poodle on it. Let's not do that. She wears a lot of accessories this season. Season three is accessory. Oh, my God. I know. But we're done with pop culture, right? We're done. That's it. We really kind of... Deep dived on the pop culture. Yeah, people. we had fun. Well, but guess... Bryn left, so we felt like we could really like dive in without being cut off by my lovely husband, who has so much to say. Um, so let us go into the end here. All right, that's it for this episode. Um, really quick, thank you, Bryn, for being here. Thanks, Bryn. It's always a pleasure. Um, do you have things on the horizon? I absolutely do that I would like to plug. Um, so, uh, and I may have mentioned this on my previous episodes, I do run a small theater company out of Minneapolis, Albino Squirrel Productions. Uh, we are seeking to do more shows year-round. We have a show... Coming up in March, it'll be a remount of our uh, plays based on Super Mario Brothers and The Legend of Zelda. So any of my nerds out there, if you want to come see that, we're going to be performing at Phoenix Theater in Uptown Minneapolis. Uh, That'll be in March. And then um, I am also directing a community theater production, which is ironic given Lorelai's comment, uh, community theater production of The Producers, uh, the Mel Brooks musical. And that's going to be... um, I guess the weekend that this episode, or no, I guess uh, since this is part two, by the time this episode airs, it'll already have had its opening weekend. Mm-hmm. But if you're, I in loved the... it, Brian. It was great. Oh, thank you. <laughs> yeah, especially when we got future the... me loves it. Especially when we got the uh, juggling orangutan. Um, what? What? <laughs> but yeah. Anyway, so uh, yeah, there will be two more weekends of that. So if you're in Minneapolis, uh, we're at Edison High it's through Morris Park Players. Um, and if you buy tickets online, if you use the code BRYN, B-R-Y-N, at the ticket checkout, you'll get $3 off. Or you also, can use the code Amy, A-I-M-E-E, because Amy, <laughs> and get $3 off. Amy is our costume designer for the show, um, along with her mom, Maggie. So uh, they've been doing a great job, and I know she's ready to have her evenings back. But I am. I am too, but it has been a lot of fun, and I'm very proud of our production and what we've done with it so and uh michael turner who is oh yeah michael uh is, is playing leo mm-hmm. and then uh jenny who's been on a couple episodes is playing ula in that so mm-hmm. um especially if you're a fan of this podcast you can see some of us in person <laughs> Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> not me though not i me won't either. be at any I, of them i mean i'll be at all of them but i'll be somewhere in the back yeah so awesome Thank you so much, Bryn, for being here. Thanks, Bryn. Thanks. Thank you so much for listening. And remember, life's short. Talk fast. Bye. Bye. Where we lead, you can follow us at underscore growing up Gilmore underscore on all major social media platforms linked in the description below. Two, three. Boy, the la-las. Just kidding.